Stavon Marconi. What a background music. You ever heard this song before? No, I haven't. This girl singing? Can you hear it? That's yes. Sarah Shulman. Wow. Your ex-student, Sarah Shulman. Yes, I don't have her this year. Yes, my current student. Yes, she's in a band called Switch Mob. Ah. And this is a brave out. Ashley, you have a mic. Ashley Weltner, our engineer, has a microphone this week, and she can speak. This is a Brave Out song? Brave Ad. Bra oh, Brave Ad. Yes. A Brave mm -hmm. Ad, because we're on Brave New Radio. Yes. And when you add a new song to Brave New Radio, it's a Brave Ad. Yes. Mm -hmm. Marconi, did you see how smart I am? Yes. I put that together. I should teach. Did I have clearance? Who? Any samples in here? No, no samples. Oh, are you sure? So, yes. Okay. So no samples. That's very good. Written by Fatima Diakatai. I said it wrong. And... Uh, her and Chris, but uh, Herrera, but they're switch mops, so there you go. They're right. playing here. They're playing here on November 29th with Zach Matari in the after party, and they're also playing with two bands from Monmouth University. Mm. By the way, here is William Patterson, the university. I'm your professor, David Kirk Philp, here on Music Biz. Special time, special show, Dr. Esteban yes, Marconi. early. Very early. I haven't even shaved yet. The funny thing is, oh, I shaved before minutes. I came over. I'd let Very you touch nice. my face, but that'd be inappropriate. And why did you do that? Because I want to be ready for bed. I brushed my teeth. I shaved my face. I picked out <laughs> my clothes. You have a face for radio. I certainly do. I'm, I'm the best-looking person in okay. front of this microphone at this moment in time. Mm -hmm. Yes. But we're at Music Biz 101 and more. We're at... Uh, 7.45 in the p.m. time is when we started today on this Why Wednesday we evening. so early? Because we had a guest who could not be with us tonight, so we were able to scramble and find ourselves another guest. Mm -hmm. And that guest is named Harlan Fry, who was introduced to us by our friends Dan Goldberg and Matt Young, who used to be our executives in residence at William Patterson University, and they're from the Winter Music Artist Services. Mm -hmm. They know Harlan Fry, who is the Atlantic Records SVP, which is SUNY Vice President of Touring and Artist Development. They introduced us. We met him, you and I, back in the summer. Yes, we did. And then we reached out to him, and he said he would do it, but he has 17 kids at home, and so he needed to uh, take care of that. So he said, can I call in at 745 or 750? And uh, so he's going to call in very soon. And right. then um, we're going to talk with him about all things music biz. Very nice. Why are we doing... Why? Why, why are we talking about music biz? Because at William Patterson University, we have the number one, well, music business program in New Jersey. Uh -huh. Actually, that's true. If, if that's you go by Billboard. What, you call, you call me a moron? This is Music Biz 101 and more? Yes. You haven't said that yet. That's no, right. I did, didn't I? Ashley I Weltner, did I say that? She did he, say it once. I've said I thought twice. 
Uh-huh. We'll go back to the podcast, which people can find on SoundCloud, iTunes, and also our website, musicbiz101wp.com. You know who we have not introduced yet? We've said nothing to or about our good friend, Double TT Squared, Taylor Turner. That's right. Taylor Turner, Double TT Squared, Taylor Turner. How are you, Double T, talking to the mic this time? Be, be strong, be, be powerful. Pretty good. <laughs> oh, wow, listen to her. And I came anyway. Now yes. I'm uh, totally defeated. Yes. It is great to have you here, Taylor Turner. What is your major here at William Patterson the University? Popular music. And what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to work in music publishing. Oh, music publishing. Very mm-hmm. cool. So Very we appreciate good. her being here. Ashley Weltner, um, before I go into all the thanks and things, can you tell us briefly, as a junior at the University of William Patterson, what is your internship this semester? Um, this semester, I'm interning at Sirius XM on their volume channel. And with whom are you interning? Um, well, my host's name is Eddie Trunk, but I also interned on Debatable and soon-to-be Feedback, wow. which is their morning show. So you might be going into mornings. Uh, feedback with Laura Majewski? Mon- yeah, only, yes, Laura Majewski is Who's one been of a guest hosts. of the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Debatable with, with Mark, Mark Goodman and Who's Alan been a guest Light. of the show. And we have to get uh, Eddie Trunk on. Yeah, I'm working on that. Okay. He's he... um he travels a lot. He's going on tour and doing his show from the road for a few weeks. So that's pretty cool. For those who don't know, he's been around for a long time. He's actually from a New Jersey boy. He's from Matt, my hometown, Madison, New Jersey. Oh, I didn't know that. He went to school with my brother, and um, he's really made a name for himself in the metal metal world. Mm-hmm. And he's hosted shows on VH1. Obviously, mm-hmm. he's doing well he with SiriusXM. Access, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's uh, really made a living, and he's going on tour. I mean, that would be actually a great. Music Biz 101 and more show just to find out what he does and how he's carved this life out. Yeah. Very cool. I can ask. I have to... Oh, so you haven't asked him yet? I asked by oh our producer, okay. um, but Eddie's only in in person one day a week. Yeah, sure. yeah, okay, great. All right, so we'll have him on. I don't believe her. <laughs> I don't believe her. Should we give thanks, Dr. Esteban? We better. All right, let us do so. Let's give thanks to Dr. Stabon Marconi for hiring me. And go to, again, as we mentioned, our website, musicbiz101wp.com. Sign up for that newsletter. Follow us on the Instagram, the Twitter, and the Fest of the Book at musicbiz101wp. We should give thanks to our best friend, Aaron Van Dyne of Mm -hmm. Van Dyne Bruno, Inc. and White Hat Management. With artists like Dave Matthews and Kiss. Who else does he have? St. Vincent? Yes. Anybody else we can think of? Three Doors Down? Three Doors Down. So I'm asking you an answer in myself. I apologize. It's okay. Thank you. A bunch of athletes, too. And yes, he has athletes, and uh, he does Marconi's taxes. There's only one yes, place to go for does. your bands or Marconi's business management. Go to VB. <laughs> I mean, CPA.com when you're ready. We also want to give our thanks to Christine. Oive. Oive, a wealth manager and the president of Oive Wealth Management. Christine has helped <laughs> many of our professionals at William the Patterson to manage their investments and plan for their retirement. If somebody like you is looking for some guidance on how to plan for somebody's retirement like yours, or if you have questions on anything from investments and portfolio management to insurance and retirement planning, give, Christ- give Christine a call at Taylor Turner. Repeat after me, 732 732 455 455 1510 1510 You could also email her Marconi Christine at theywealth.com for advisement and leave the last oil off. <laughs> there we go. For a moment, we thought he... I can't say that with a straight face. It's, it's very hard. Very I just hard. can't do it. We should mention Managing Your Band, 6th edition, is mm-hmm. out now in 
every available place in the world that you want, um, okay. including Backwing, was it BackwingStore.com, mm-hmm. Amazon, Barnes and Noble. So think about that. And also, you should pick up the June 30th edition of Billboard magazine. And why would I say that? Because on June 30th, they put out a listing of the best music business programs in the United States of America. And? They said that William Patterson of New Jersey was? Is. And will always be. What, Taylor? Uh, One of the top music business programs in the country. One of the top music business programs in Los Estados Unidos. In spite of my co-host. Because of your co-host, it is now recognized as, hey, that program, and also one of the best. Mm -hmm. And what's cool is Taylor Turner. You're interning this semester, I hear, Taylor? Yes. With whom are you interning and for whom? Uh, The William Patterson Music Department. Who's your supervisor, Taylor Turner? (laughs) You are. There we go. At our direction, she put together one heck of a flyer. Very nice. That is actually been very effective. Mm-hmm. Why has it been effective, Taylor? What did I tell you today? That today a high school student called and wanted to come visit the school. Because of your... Poster. I called it a flyer. You can change semantics if you like, Taylor, but the fact is you put some to get something together that already created results, and that's what we do at William Patterson University. Yeah. We're here to make results. That's it. Sometimes they think, oh, you're here to make orange juice. No. That's only on Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Wednesday, it is Wednesday, and we're on Music Biz 101 and more. Ashley is speaking with our guest right now. She's working all that out. That is he? That is he? Yes, Do I say that is he or that is him? What is the proper grammar Marconi who's been in education much him. longer than I? Him? Yeah. And I just said much longer than I, so that is correct, and he's calling back because obviously Ashley does never worked a phone before. Mm-hmm. It's not text because yeah, she's like 12. Best. And who's our guest next week? Oh, very good. George Gilbert, Esquire. your friend, music entertainment uh, attorney. Student of mine. That's right. Next, next. How old is George Gilbert? A hundred and three. Wow. And he's a, so you taught him when you were in the womb. Did you see that in the paper yesterday? No. Up in upstate New York, there is a barber. Uh, a barber. Yes, a barber. <laughs> a baba. A barber. Who's a hundred and seven? I saw that, and, and he, he still, still cuts hair. Yes. And they interviewed a guy 53 that says, I won't let anybody else touch my hair. Really? Unbelievable. The man's bald. <laughs> we also, so next, that's next week. After that, Carrie Keller touring, tu, touring or as Dave, um, Dave Laurie says, Dave Laurie, who is a former manager of the Allman Brothers. No, actually, Greg Allman and uh, Courtney Love. What does he say? Instead Buckley. of touring, Ashley, he says, Tur. He says, Turing. Yes. He's the, she's the Turing and events coordinator at Columbia Records, and Miles Franco, who's the finance manager of Ultra Music. They're also NBA grads. Harvey Leeds is coming in. Mm-hmm. Jake Posner, the manager of Arizona. And those two last two people who I mentioned have something in common with Harlan Fry, who is our guest of the moment. Do you know what those things are? Touring. No, but, well, maybe. Jake uh, Harlan has been on the... Uh, Promoter 101 and more. No, Music Biz 101. <laughs> the Promoter 101 podcast. Promoter 101. As has Harvey Leeds. Oh, I didn't know that. And Arizona is on Atlantic Records, <clears throat> the company with which Harlan Fry works. And we're going to have Jake Posner on coming up, their manager, in a few weeks. Harlan Fry, are you there? Yes, I'm here. How Harlan Fry! Harlan Fry! Great, great, great. Thank you so much for calling in. We appreciate it. Not a problem. Pleasure to be here. 
Do you mean that, or are you just saying that because you feel you yeah, had right. to? We want you to really uh, emotionally. I, 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 I'm in. I'm in. You're in. I'm, I'm, in. I'm, I'm waiting for my son. Uh, he's got a soccer practice, and um, I'm just waiting in the parking lot. So this is a perfect opportunity to kill some time and talk some talk some music. Talk there we go. This. Great. All right. Great. So, um, you, so you and I met over uh, email, and then we met before, and then Dr. Yes, Steve Marconi. Summer. Yeah. Right. In Dan Goldberg's office. We had a great time with you. Yes. Yes, that's yes, right. Yes, yes. Were you more impressed with me or Dr. Marconi? He, he was the slightly older gentleman. Carry on. Okay. I would say Dr. Marconi. Yeah. Thank yeah. You. I would. He has something about him. <laughs> yeah, isn't there it? I, go. I, I can't explain face for radio you have a body for, sure. for radio marconi it's ah. something special i don't i don't mean to say that in front of two students but i said it so I won't take it uh back. harlan why don't you uh tell the listeners what the senior vice president uh, uh senior vice president of touring and artist development does um okay yeah so i run the touring and artist development department i've got a team of people um, who work under me, um, artist development reps, um, as well as a ticket coordinator and, um, and uh, an assistant for the department. So essentially, um, you know, our department is there to support all of our artists' endeavors live. Anytime they're picking up instruments, we're backing them up and trying to highlight them. Anytime they're in the market, um, connecting the dots, putting together promotion with radio, with press, with whoever it is uh, that makes sense to help, you know, grow our artists. Um, so I, I'm just another layer, our department, but I, I run it and mainly I'm on the, I, I, I handle the big calls, I call, I have the relationship side of the business and I call when things need to get done. Um, you know, mainly dealing with agents, mainly dealing with managers, mainly dealing with promoters. Um, you know, helping promoters tour market, helping agents find tours, uh, helping managers navigate, you know, internally in our building, uh, as well as externally with their agents and as well with the promoters. Um, you know, I like to kind of look at what we do at Atlantic uh, Artist Development as essential services, uh, essential intelligence, so to speak, mm -hmm. for um, our touring friends and our managers, our clients, for everyone to tap into. So we're, you know, we're learning lots of um, things from all of our artists. You know, we've got over 200 artists we work with. Um, we, we learn, you know, what, what to do and what not to do, what works and what doesn't work. And, you know, essentially our job is to put it on the table for everyone to tap into uh, as a knowledge base and figure out what they want to use and what they don't want to use. Mm -hmm. Um you know, we also um, get very deep on production. We're very, very involved with artist production and making sure that artists have e you know, every chance possible to impact as much as humanly possible when they step up on that stage. We want to give them the tools and the resources to be able to not just play their music, but have it come across in a way that will be um, palpable and impactful and, you know, striking um, because at the end of the day, you know, our job is to grow our bands. You know, mm -hmm. as long as they grow, as long as we make fans, um, then we're doing our job in the Atlantic Touring and Arts Development Department. Mm -hmm. so, so you're the you last... Know, music directors. Uh, you're, you're the last stop then in uh, okaying tour support. 
or whatever it might we be. We do. Yeah, we, we like, yeah. The managers they submit tour support our way, and um, you know my people who work for me, the artist development reps who are on the front lines. They have their roster of bands, say twenty to twenty-five bands, and they'll um, kind of sift through each budget and kind of highlight you know the the good and the bad for me, and then I'll go in and and mm-hmm. um, figure out what what stance we need to take and and how to navigate. Uh, best navigate um, coming to a compromise. Right. So we teach, and this is probably stolen from Tom Silverman a few years ago, but uh, one of the models today, and it's a very broad model, is to take your passive fan and make them a fanatic fan. So there'll be a potential fan, then a passive fan, then an active fan, then a fanatic fan. And I guess that's really what what you're doing for acts is trying to help them move up that ladder so that they get as many fanatic fans who will, of course, spend more money than the passive fan on them, uh, you know, help them see the way through the maze. Yes, uh, 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, we're only as good as our artists, you know, they make the music and, the, you know, the, the, that's the first and foremost. So the music has to be great and it has to move people. But then, you know, we're here to help just see their vision through and provide the advisory on how to, you know, nurture the relationships with the fans and how to, you know, um, just enlarge in that uh, uh, pathway to their fans. You know, Mm -hmm. you want to be able to get to as many fans as possible and then create and then build upon that. So it's it's like a two-step thing. How do we reach as many people as possible and then really super serve them as much as possible? Um, You know, and a lot of that has to do with uh, creating content, being creative in general content, um, massaging your socials. But, you know, first and foremost, working on your music, working on your craft and your live show. And mm-hmm. without any of those, without those two things, the great music and the live show, you're going to have a hard, hard time finding any kind of fanatic fan. Right. To be honest with you. Right. Now, uh, do you find that most managers today are pretty savvy uh, in terms of, you know, g- getting to it, understanding that it's not only social media, but everything has to be somewhat represented where the artist has some sort of a um, communication personally with the fan? Or, um, you know, are yeah, there... I, I'll be honest with you. Um, you know, I hate to generalize because there's a lot of really, really, really good managers. And right. Good managers. But there's also a lot of managers who have, um, you know, inexperience mm-hmm. in... And on almost every level. So that's one of the other reasons we exist, our department exists, is yes. to fill in those holes when we have a manager or a band, uh, an artist that's never picked up a microphone before. And that artist needs real, um, you know, rehearsing and music direction and choreography and all the one-on-one boot camp, um, you know, steps to take in order to become a performer um, because they had just haven't done it before and they've been making music in their dorm room and it's great, but they just don't know how to be a, a musician on the other side. Mm-hmm. So a lot of managers don't know how to figure that stuff out. 
Um, they don't know how to navigate the building and the things to ask for at the right times and what to ask for. Um, you know, they've never put tour support budgets. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. they're just friends of the band. And, and you know, it's our job to educate and teach them mm-hmm. as best that we can. But, um, you know, I will say that you can have the most talented band with the best songs in the world and without... A, without a manager uh, who is competent, yeah, you definitely are stacking the cards mm-hmm. uh, against you. It's, it makes it extremely difficult to break an act um, with a manager who doesn't understand that the act has to work and they've got to do all the things necessary to shake hands, look people in the eye, and say, thank you for helping me. Thank you for playing my song on the radio, on your station. Uh, just a small little things that you know make champions um out of people and and, you know it's i cannot tell you how important it is for an artist to have competent management but you know there's just not enough to go around so we try and do our best to fill in the on the hole. We have to take uh, Harlan one one sec, one quick break because it's the top of the hour and we have to play our station identification thing. WPSC Wayne, New Jersey. On the radio, 88.7 FM. Online, gobrave.org. A tune-in radio station, part of the William Patterson Broadcast Network. Woo, we are back. That was amazing. That how, Ashley, how long was that? About six seconds, five seconds? Actually, it's nine seconds. Okay, it was about you're, six. You're a little bit, you're slacking. I am slacking, so that was about nine seconds. So we're back with Harlan Fry on Music Biz 101 and more. Dr. Esteban Marconi continues. Yeah. So you, you're um, uh, you're bringing up an interesting point, and I think the, uh, the DIY people are thinking about, well, if I'm getting this support from the record company, what can I do that makes them continue to want to work with me and then what is a sign that you sometimes can see that just says this is going nowhere um i say the first question again i know the second question but i didn't understand the first question the first question is uh from the standpoint of the band what what would they um you know they want your support and they want your continued support yeah so what do they do that makes you continue to want to work with them, even though maybe things aren't going as well as anticipated? Um, just showing uh, showing hard work, you know, because uh, mm-hmm. that's what it takes. Um, be the hardest working act out there. Uh, that means creating on a regular basis. That means, you know, turning in, you know, songs, even though if they're not great, just keeping that faucet flowing of music coming. Um, you know, really take an interest on how to be interesting to, you know, to fans in general. And I mean, you know, don't just, uh, take pictures of, you know, yourself in a mirror without an expression, like do things that are, will make, uh, provide some, for some thought provoking, thought provoking moments, you know, like do, do something that'll make people think twice about you instead of just going through the motions. Oh, I'm supposed to post on socials. Let me just take a picture of this nice car. Um, no, do something, <laughs> have an angle and, and try and be creative on how to build a base. Um, so essentially it's just, you know, an artist who is one, um, thankful 
uh, and happy to be doing this as a job like we are on our side and um, somebody who's willing to work hard, and, you know, on all levels and take um, direction that is um, constructive. That is definitely um, all those factors um, makes us want to stick with artists longer than somebody who's not working, meaning not building, um, somebody who's not working hard at changing that and doing uh, anything and everything necessary to get momentum going because it's just, there's just so much competition out there. There's so many acts more than ever before because you can make music in your bedroom and you can just upload it on the internet. Anyone and everyone is making music and the consumption, there's more music fans than ever before. So you have to be really good, mm-hmm. you know, and your, your, your music can be excellent, but if you're not even doing the other things to leverage yourself and leverage your music, you're not going to have a leg up and you're not going to cut through as much as the next artist. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, in the metrics, you know, it's all there. The data is there. So if we see that we have less, we just don't, we're not gaining, um, Instagram followers. We're not gaining play, you know, um, monthly listeners on Spotify and, and spins for each track, you know, all the data is there. Um, so, and it doesn't lie. And also when the artist is touring and they're not growing their merch sales, that means you're not connected. You're mm-hmm. not impacted. Mm-hmm. So what are we doing here? You know, if, if, if all those things aren't working, then, then we're definitely having to um, reassess the relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's where before that happens, hopefully the manager is looking at the same data that you're looking at and, and is aware of this and is being proactive you know, in, in the best world with you, with the band, uh, with others at the company to try and increase those socials, increase that Spotify follower, ca- follower count, grow the email list, get more merch, you know, figure out what we're doing wrong at the merch tables with lighting or design or whatever. They're, they're hopefully doing all that stuff so that you don't have that conversation where you're saying, dude, what are we doing here? This isn't working, right? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's just, you know, hey, make sure you look your fans in the eye when you're playing. And then you're connecting. And then you say, hey, I'm going to be at the merch booth. And then they want to go say hi and buy, buy your merch. It's small little things that just make all the difference, aside from the music being great. So, yes, that you, you're absolutely right on that. Mm-hmm. And, and what levels? Because you mentioned uh, we'll be at the merch booth after. So you're obviously not talking about the Bruno Mars Arena Act at that point. You're talking about the, um, the, not, you know, the smaller club, you know, the 300 cap club room at that point is that kind of who you're thinking when you're talking about that yeah i would say that yeah it's definitely a club club level act and and say support on a you know like a direct support act on um, a larger tour where they just kind of want to meet all new fans and connect with people and take pictures um so it's definitely on a smaller level and 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 sometimes bands do it on a larger level um and I am conflicted about that because it sometimes takes away the mystique of who this artist is. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm all for the band. I want the bands connecting as much as possible, but sometimes there are artists who are just um, trying too hard. There's a fine line between uh, making it look like you're trying to grow your base every, every which way you, you know, walk and, um, and every, every move versus letting the music kind of 
you know, leaning in but letting the music do the do the job. You know, you want some mystique out there as well. So, are you a fan of uh, meet and greet on all levels, or is there a a point that it looks like they're just doing it for the money because the place is filled um, anyway? Well, there's yeah, there's various different forms of meet and greets. You know, some some artists will sell themselves and say, I'll sell you a $100 opportunity to shake my hand. Right. Um, and that that's a VIP, op- you know, that's a, mm-hmm. that's a VIP meet and greet. And a lot of artists do that. And the fans, you know, take it and they say, I, I, that's great. I will buy that in a heartbeat. Um, you know, and some artists, who uh, are, a lot of them, if you're playing the commercial radio game, the meet and greet is kind of a necessary evil and you kind of just have to play ball because mm-hmm. that's how the station gets, um, they, they, they provide value for the listener. So the listener could call in a 10th caller wins a meet and greet and friend can, you know, get a, uh, meet and greet in their own dressing room for band X, Y, Z. And they're going to talk about that all day and all night. And it helps promote the artist. And if you want to be a commercial act, that's what you do. You play ball and you, you, um, you know, you, you do promotion. So the station mm-hmm. will talk about you and mm-hmm. part of how it's actually part of our development. You want, you don't want spins just to, you don't want, you know, rich station just to spin your record. They want, you know, we want them talking about the artist and spinning the record. So, um, there's a connection made. Um, so yeah, there's various levels. Um, you know, I, I would say on a very large level, it's really rare to, to have the meet and greets, um, you know, paid for where people are paying and meeting, you know, the cold plays of the Brunos of the world or the Ed Sheeran's Ed, Ed is, Ed meets people. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's doing it with the radio stations. He's not selling, you know, meet and greets. um, neither is Bruno. But uh, it all depends on the act. It really depends on who you are, what your ethos is, um, what you believe in, what you what you want to achieve, uh, short term and long term. Mm-hmm. If you're a commercial artist, you probably should you know figure out how to build in time to meet forty to fifty people or so. Right. So I would assume yeah. when uh, bands are getting signed and you're involved with it. Uh, with the A and R, and there's a band. It's the the you love the music, but the the lead person, the band is a real introvert. I mean, doesn't want to do anything. We we understand from Charlie Puth's ex business manager that Charlie really didn't want to be a performer. He'd rather just uh, write tunes and so on and so forth. But uh, he's obviously blossomed somewhat. But I mean, you you see that person, and then you say the music is great, and if they don't have very strong management, then it's going to be an uphill battle, I would assume, to get that introvert to become somewhat of an extrovert anyway when he's not on stage or she's not on stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, everyone's different, and every artist is different, and we have to remember they're all human beings just Mm -hmm. like us. And they have their emotions and their psyche, and and you know we need to respect um, them as people, uh, and and their their and what makes them feel good and what makes them feel bad, and support them in the best way we possibly can to allow them the opportunity to try a few things to 
if it works and see if it maybe it doesn't work. Well, let's try this. And um, slowly but surely, uh, you know, we do get to the right place more often than not by doing starting off slow and, and you know, um, really trying to um, shelter the artist from bad experiences or whatever it is, we will figure out how to and strategize how to go about doing it with each artist. Um, because if there's very few introverts that, you know, do well if you're playing the commercial game. And mm-hmm. if you're like, you know, all J and, and war on drugs or, you know, the music really does a lot of the talking and, and it's not all about the interviews and, mm-hmm. and shaking hands with the fans. Um, that's where it's different. It, it really depends on the type of artist that we're dealing with. Um, so, you know, when it is a commercially driven project, we do everything in our power to allow the artist to be at ease mentally and to be able to um, want to meet fans and want to say, you know, hey, thank you so much for your support and mm-hmm. be gracious um, because it's, I can't tell you how important it is yeah. to be able to go uh, make it look like you're at least having fun. Right. And, you know, it's, it's difficult. I remember back, maybe it was 91 or something, I used to work for Polygram <clears throat> Records before Universal bought them. And uh, we had a, a meet and greet for retailers and people uh, in the industry, uh, label and such, who, um, after a John Mellencamp concert, and I have this picture of me with John Mellencamp and a few other people, and the look on his face... <laughs> Um, was such that, you know, he did. He wanted to be a million miles away from there, and he wasn't smiling. He wasn't doing anything, and that was sort of. You could tell he was doing it because he had to do it, and he did not want to be there. Mm-hmm. And it kind of, um, even now, I think about it, and I thought he was kind of a jerk, you know. But um, he oh, might, yeah. have, you know, he might be a great guy in real life. I, I don't think he is, but you know, um, you know, he seemed uh, very jerky there, and that's an example where you're saying. He was established, but if he was developing, at least, he definitely should have been smiling and saying, hi, how are you, and looking you in the mm-hmm. eye and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, every, like, like I said, there's sometimes artists go through certain experiences where they get um, scarred, you know, and some, some, someone's really drunk and, um, and mm-hmm. just crazy and saying stupid things and hopping over the table and just freaking the artist out like there's some really unruly fans out there that yeah. just make it extremely difficult and they don't respect the artist's space um so there are times where I, I i totally get it i understand um but at the same time you know it's kind of what you signed up for uh you know if you're going to play that commercial game like i said um you've got to figure out how to mentally be tough and be thick-skinned and to get through it and you know this is this is your career you want your music to get out to the masses you got to play the game and so if if you don't you don't do it with grace you know there are stations that will say you know you get a little high on your horse i don't know if i'm playing this next single we like to have partners and these these um, bands need to be appreciative of you know it's like two-way street you know um so I, I, I've had bands that are just like they have the uh, sanitary uh, sanitizers in their pocket after every shake of the hand. They're like, oh, God, yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, just clean it up every second of the day. They just can't stand being there. Um, but it's just, it's, it is what it is.
what it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, just like you said, you're dealing with people, and you're not when you're talking about you meant at that point when you said that the artist, but you're also dealing with let's say it's radio. Those are people too who have feelings and who have agendas and who have jobs to do and families to feed and all that. So those are that's another side of the people equation that you need to be aware of so that you can make sure that they are pleased, just like the artist. Without a doubt. So there's one, there's a few instances where I can point to, and they happen to both be stadium acts. So I took my daughter um, and her friends to go see Taylor Swift a few times, but this this time in particular, we went um, for a meet and greet. Um, I hooked her up, and we were waiting in line, and it's a very extravagant setup. Uh, this room with cookies and brownies and drinks and da-da-da. So we go to meet her. And and you're basically alone with her once you go through the door, and she could not be happier to see us. Oh mm. my God, you're so pretty to my daughter. Mm. I love your necklace and your shirt is beautiful. And your friend's skirt. What's your name? Tell me what your name is. Um, I love your hair. She's seeing 150 people a show, and she makes you feel like your best friend. Mm-hmm. Um. She actually asked me, have we ever met before? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> let me tell my wife. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, so, uh, you know, you can handle it that way um, mm-hmm. and choose to really make it a special experience. Um, and like Ed Sheeran, you know, I brought my daughter and she's a big Ed Sheeran fan. And, you know, the security guy um, who can quite often not be so nice. I'm not talking Ed's, but in right. general. Yes. Um, as we're leaving, thank you guys so much for coming. We appreciate, you know, uh, the support. And I looked back and I said, no, thank you. But those are the types of things that make the difference and keep and, and make long-term fans mm-hmm. um, just by being nice and humble and real and thankful for where you're at. And thankful that you have a fan that is going out of their way to go meet you because your music is impacting them in the way that it is. So it's really just a mindset, and it's easier said than done, let me tell you. But there are some that are doing it well, and you wonder why they're in stadiums. I mean, obviously their music is number one, but then number two and three and four, they're doing all the other things that, you know, help, uh, help make people like them. So it is really what, in today's day, what people say, and that's building this fan base, one base, one fan at a time. No yeah, matter how big you are, a doubt. right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Harlan, we would like to introduce you to Taylor Turner, who is our student co-host of the night. Hello. <laughs> Hi, Taylor. <laughs> she's a, she's a big fan. First time, long time. She would like to read a tweet to you, and then um, it's a question from one of our listeners. Precursor Mentality asks, when a tour gets canceled, as in the case of Iggy Azalea's latest attempted tour, are you expected to find new tours for the people that were going to work it, or does that fall on someone else's shoulders? You mean, yeah, the people who are going to work it, like the crew and, and, you know, no, that's when a tour gets canceled, it just is what it is, and it kind of is terrible for everybody. Uh Um yeah, we, we don't like to see tours cancel, and they cancel for so many different reasons. But um, no, but you try you, so you try and help each other out and find each other gigs, 
but um, yeah, for the most part, you're on your own. Is there any other reason besides poor ticket sales why a tour gets canceled um, outside of illness? I mean, um, we always read the stuff on ticket sales. Yeah, you know, illness, family emergency. Um, sometimes there's, um, you know, music needs to be recorded, and you, there, uh, you have to plan so far in advance to book a tour, and um, but you haven't finished your record, and you've only got one great single, and the record company's three, and so you're. The artist is freaking out that you're not gonna, they're not gonna have enough time to, you know, get enough singles going. So they're like, you know what, we got to push our tour back. We don't have enough music be- before we go out there mm-hmm. um, and flip, you know, put on the, that light switch. We we've got to like get the music first before we're out there. I mean, that's few and far between, but that definitely does happen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's there's other reasons why artists cancel you know sometimes it's financial they just have poor planning poor business management mm-hmm. and they didn't realize that the production was going to cost as much as it is and they're losing too much money and then the labels like yeah you put this tour on sale you never came to us you're not making us any money we're not spending you know all this much in tour support and they have to cancel mm-hmm. um we rarely ever see that but it does happen mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. with international because it's so expensive to go fly overseas um and you know agents and managers they get ahead of themselves and they put the you know tour dates up but they don't really check on whether or not there's going to be profit or loss and then you know (laughs) it's part of uh the inexperienced management scenario Mm -hmm. in in a case like that in a case like that are you thinking that since you're you know the, the tour guy at the label Let's say, let's say, Jake Posner is the manager of Arizona, and I know they open up for hmm. Panic at the Disco. Yeah, pan, <laughs> Panic at the Disco this yeah, summer. Yeah, um, before they did that, for example, and I know we met Jake last year, and he, he made a point of telling. We brought a class, and he made a point of telling, telling us that he spends his days going up and down the building there, um, meeting everybody he can, finding out what they do, how we can help him, them, how they can help him. And um, in the case of a tour is going to lose money or it's losing money, um, it's best for the manager to be aware of what you do. And before we actually announce the tour, go to you and say, here's our plans, here's some numbers, what do you think? Do you recommend that we, in your state? Yeah, I mean, we, we, don't, we don't, not only do we recommend it, but we um, outright ex- it and kind of demand it we ask that the managers and the artists the business, the business managers do their you know profit and loss to run a budget make sure you know where you're at um because it's not fair to the fans um you cannot put a tour up without knowing if you're going to make money or lose money um because you need to know that you're going to be able to follow through and play in front of those people who are buying those tickets, um, you know, and if you can't because you're financially irresponsible and you didn't do your, you didn't run your numbers, then that is not the way you treat your fans by advertising your coming and not showing up. Um, so that's mostly why we tell them, you know, get your, uh, get your house in order, understand your business, 
and you know before you put anything up um you know it partially paints us in a corner because they're like well, what are we supposed to do now we're advertised but we're losing all this money and so we care about those fans too and so we're going to do what we can to make sure that our bands are not letting their fans down um, because the management team might not be up to snuff. Um, so there's lots of factors that go in, but uh, sometimes we just, it's just so imbalanced that we can't support it and they end up not being able to, to, to tour. Um, so it's, it's rare, but it does happen. Is the proactive? And I will tell you. I'll, I'll tell you on the flip side. It happens quite often that the tour is up, and they're losing money, and they come to us with the tail between the legs, and they say, "Oh, we didn't realize we we're going to be, you know, <laughs> all this money short." I'm so sorry. We're like, we told you to run a budget, but um, so those things happen. You know, mm-hmm. it's 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 life. It's life in the music world. So, so is the proactive manager um, trying to? talk with you at least once a week or, or more, more often and I guess because you're doing artist development and you're doing the touring part um, there are two different parts of when the artist would need you and need to be communicating with you yeah in a in a perfect world we're with an active project our department is talking to the manager every day because there's promotion that we're organizing and filtering through and we're saying, Hey, do you want to, do you want to do an interview with this station? Do you want to do an interview with this uh, publication? Uh, do you want to do a session with Spotify? Do you want to, so we're constantly talking about how we can promote the artists um, and talking about what we're going to do in, in terms of advertising, you know, Instagram boosts and all that. So, you know, how, what's our next move in terms of getting a support slot, what are the festivals that we're going to try and get on, Coachella, who's talking to who, I'll call Paul, you call Paul, like, next week, come up with a plan, Paul Tillette, that is. Um, so we're hopefully talking every day. So there's really no reason for, um, you know, for a lapse like that to happen. And some managers, we don't talk to every day because they don't know what they're doing and it's kind of we're wasting our time going through all these things because they just don't know from it so we're just making it happen from our side that's a that's that's very interesting so managers should be listening to this podcast so that they understand because we're good friends with paul sinclair for example who you know who works with you at atlantic and um he's had these discussions before where it's it's really uh paramount that artists and especially their management teams are championing that champ championing champion ing i can't what, how do you say that word ashley championing i can't say it yeah nobody can say it championing champion can you can you say it harlan yes he did championing but it's it's not a word we should use on radio. Say, I can't say it three times. <laughs> no, it's row, I think it's one of the uh, one of the it's the ninth dirty word that you can't say yeah, on radio. So maybe that's Collins that's why. Right. Yes, but um, but, but, but really what we're talking about is besides just good business sense from a management perspective in talking with you guys every day, they should be talking with you guys all the time and showing their face there so that they can be the cheerleader for the band for the artists so that you guys know who they are and just like you said they should be thanking the good manager is thanking the radio station just like the artist is and thanks for playing the song thanks for having us come out all that kind of stuff they should be doing the same thing with you 
on a label side, they should know, you know, if they have a brand manager who they work with every day, if they, they should know what that person's favorite pizza is and one day just order a pizza and have it show up so the brand manager doesn't have to go out and pay for their own pizza, that kind of thing. Yeah, so, I mean, from my standpoint, I think it's super important for the manager uh, if they're not totally uh, clued in on what they should be doing, then, yeah, they should be spending time um, on the phone talking to those who are in the know, uh, trying to educate as much as possible. Like, what things should I be asking for right now? Do you mind helping me navigate this building? Um, you know, those types of things. Like, we don't need to be thanked. Like, you know, I, I, I just want our artists to be thanking those who are supporting them so those partners out there continue to support them with a smile on their face. But in terms of managers, in a perfect world, I would love them just to be asking for the right things that are going to help our artists grow. And, hey, I, I really think we should do um, snipes in Brooklyn for our uh, Prospect Park show. What do you think? Do you guys have money in the budget for that? Like, I don't mm -hmm. mind an artist, a manager getting under my skin about certain things that we're just not doing and that means that they're asking for things that's just going to help our artists grow potentially. We might not say yes to everything, but, you know, the managers who are pushing, um, if you don't ask, you don't get. And so I like the managers who are spending the time talking. And if, if they don't know what to ask for, then they're asking, what do you think is missing here? Like getting everyone's opinion. And just talking to everyone and kind of educating on every level, calling Paul Sinclair. Paul, what are the things that have worked with other artists um, on Instagram? How do I get more, uh, you know, like people liking uh, everything I post? And, you know, I, I want to make some really good content. Do you suggest anyone um, to help me do that? Like, whatever it is, the manager's got to, you know, just ask and push and push and be – um, blinded by helping their artists at all times. Mm -hmm. And so, mm -hmm. you know, without that, it's just us, um, which we can still do it. But it's just, I, you know, I, I, I'm sorry to be harping on this, uh, the manager thing, but it's, it's so incredibly important mm -hmm. um, to have on your side. You know, uh, we have a book in the sixth edition now, Managing Your Band, and you can, it's available everywhere. But when I was writing the first edition, in the early 90s, I was interviewing a successful manager, and he said that he had an artist that was actually uh, going to be asked to be in a movie. And he'd had no idea what to ask. He had no idea what the movie business is like. And he said he was going to dinner, I think, three times that week with different people that he knew that were managing artists that were also crossed over into the movie business so that he would be ready for his meeting at the end of the week to ask the right mm -hmm. questions. Hmm. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's those are the, it's also, I mean, you so know, many levels. yeah, to be, to be honest and to say, uh, you know, be honest and, and say, if you don't know, not to try to bluff. Yeah. I just don't know. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, no. I've seen, I've seen some amazing managers and, and Jake, Jake is one of those guys who came in without a huge amount of experience and asked and mm -hmm. sat on couches and learned and mm -hmm. and he's growing into a, a great manager um and a really good partner of ours um because he spends the time uh learning and mm -hmm. that's you know that's why we don't kick 
you know, new managers out of the building um, because they don't have the experience. We only kick ignorant managers out of the building and don't spend any time when they don't want to learn. Um, so there's a major difference. Um, we have all the time in the world to teach uh, managers what works and what doesn't based mm-hmm. on, you know, what we've learned from other managers who do know. Mm-hmm. So um, as long as they get it and they grow, that's just going to help our artists. So we, we've got time for that. Uh, Taylor is going to read another question to you via the tweet. Um, Paolo Coelho asks, what's the best way to go about planning a tour in a foreign country? Oh. In a foreign country, um, for one, I would figure out, you know, some analytics and find out, you know, what kind of consumption you're you're getting and where. Um, find out who's listening to your artist's music um, and how many of them are where they are in each city. Um, you know, and it's, it's incredibly important to have um, an agent or uh, sometimes promoters get turned on, but most of the time it's the agents who are pr- uh, turning on the promoters to that particular act. Um, so an agent is going to really help introduce you to the marketplace, um, especially in international territory. So I, I think, um, it's hard enough as it is with a label who's got connections and, and, um, you know, uh, I would say it's, it's even hard enough when you have an agent. Um, but you just have to hustle. And, um, if there's a market for your artist, uh, you got to find an agent who will, who will place you and, and bring you over. And then you've got to figure out how to, um, you know, pay for it to get over there. Good. It's really expensive flights and, and cargo and hotels and transportation. It can all add up. Actually, we just spoke um, last week with uh, Cindy De Silva, who is the manager of the Zombies, and mm-hmm. um, we were talking at length about visas, work visas, and um, bringing, yeah. like, for example, they're coming them for them to come over here. How far in advance you have to work, and how much money it costs, and and all that kind of stuff in terms of the just that type of thing. Oh yeah, no, it's um, it's it's really a whole to do. Uh, even more so with the Trump administration. Um, so, yeah, it's really far in advance. And even then, it, it can be tricky. Um, there, there's sometimes holdups where we've had to call senators before um, <laughs> to you know, make some uh, very important, timely calls where the mm-hmm. RC has this huge, important play like Coachella the next day, and we don't have the visa stamps yet. Um, and our whole campaign is riding on that stamp. So, um, yeah, it can get really crazy. Wow. Okay. Taylor has another tweet for you. Greg Fed asks, Mm -hmm. with all the hands-on job experience you've gained throughout your years in music industry doing artist development, is there an event you'd be willing to share that was particularly educating or enlightening for you? Um, an event. Um, you know, I would say the first concert I ever put on when I was in college, University of Vermont, um, it, I, 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 I was kind of a little, I was a punk. And I, I didn't like the fact that this Woodstock reunion was charging $100. So I went about, um, I spent my summer um, 
selling this whole thought process of, well, we're going to do a free show on the beach festival and everyone's welcome and you don't have to spend a hundred dollars to do it. And so, uh, I really, I cut my teeth and that just that one event for me was what, uh, kind of, um, gave me what I needed to come to the city and, uh, cut my teeth and really get going in the music industry. I went around, I got sponsors to pay, you know, to pay for the whole event. Um, and, uh, all the bands play for free just for exposure. And so I put on this great festival. I got front page, you know, on the, the newspaper. It was kind of a big deal. Um, and it was a lot of fun and I learned a lot. So that to me was um, just hands on, you know, make or break, got to succeed with this or, you know, um, it, it, it got me to the music business. Great. Okay. One more tweet. Joe Jansen asks, do you have any tips for DIY artists to get a tour put together with a focus on expanding fan base and revenue? Um, well, I, if you've got any um, friends out there who have played certain venues that have worked for them, you know, kind of get trying to get some education on some of the venues that, um, that have worked well for others. Um, and put that list together, write down some names of people who um, are, the, are the bookers, um, put together a little one sheet, very concise, you know, here's, my, here's a link to my video, here's a link to the music, find out who the booker's name is, call, follow up, don't get them on the phone, keep calling to get them on the phone, say, I just trust me, listen to this music, don't stop until you get a booking, say, I'm looking for a partner out there, I'm not calling you this many times um, unless it's worth it. Just give me a shot and make sure you get into all these venues that you need to get into and you better be practicing, better rehearse and be great. Um, and then you'll be invited back. That's how you get in there. And then, a and then you, maybe you get an agent. Good. Okay. Uh, one more, another. T uh, hold on. Well, how much longer do you have? Because I know you had to be off the uh, phone by a certain time. Um... I am, what time is it now? 8.39 uh, p.m. Eastern Standard Yeah, I've, I've got one more tweet I could probably answer, and then I've got to go in uh, one, like, a minute. Okay, here we go. Uh, final tweet from Taylor Turner. Josh Lustig asks, what's the number one mistake that you see unsigned bands making when they try to get signed? Um, the number one mistake unsigned bands do when they try and get signed or once they get signed uh when they're trying to get signed oh um the number one mistake i see is um showcasing when they're not ready to showcase mm -hmm. playing and showcasing in front of you know a ton of uh hyped a and r and record execs and they just they 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 play and they're literally just playing their songs and not performing and you know there's no soul to it there's um, it's just terrible mm -hmm. um so i would say just not being ready to impact the right people mm -hmm. wow. and people don't realize how small this business is uh one two what first impressions are so incredibly important yeah. and if you don't have a, a great impression first impression it's okay if it's good if it's good if it's bad you might not get another impression. Yeah. Yeah. Ever. 
Great. Okay. Well, that's that's good, Harlan. I think it's time for you to go. You have uh, to pick up a, your son from soccer. He's out on the field and he just fell and he skinned his knee and he needs you. He's saying, "Papa, <laughs> Papa, <laughs> Papa," and you need to be you need to be there. Yeah, yeah I've got some kids, so I'm going to be a dad right now. We're here. You have uh, 19 kids and counting, so we appreciate uh, yes. you, you taking the. Try to get to 20. Yeah, that, that, that's, right. that's the goal. Yeah. So you need proper management yeah. and spreadsheets yeah. in order to get to that number. So uh, exactly. Well, thank you so very much for having me. No, thank you. Really, thank you. Yeah, we appreciate you. I Everybody, think our, I think our listeners have learned a lot. They have loved this. Thank you, Harlan Fry. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. See you soon. Bye bye. And that interview is over. What yes. did you think, Doctor Esteban? I thought it was excellent. Yeah, I thought it was really good. Yes, I thought that um, some questions were more or less chicken, you know what, and he made chicken salad out of them. Mm-hmm. I thought he did that he. Uh, you know, he didn't blow them off where I thought some of them were just... But anyway, it was excellent. You know what was the most interesting? He really, and he, he apologized, but you could tell how emotionally um, he felt about managers mm -hmm. who aren't prepared. Yep. And who stay unprepared and don't... I, I'm sure he slaps some on the hand at times, and mm -hmm. others in the in that building do, whether it's Paul Sinclair or Julie Greenwald or Craig Hellman or any of those mm -hmm. people who say, come in tomorrow and have something for me you know almost like at school and if they're not doing their homework right i'm sure they they uh, he wasn't saying it but i think they'll get just as frustrated with an act yes if the manager is not filling in doing the right thing well we're sure that on the artist's side it's the most important uh job there is and it is also the weakest link in the music business mm -hmm. because there's no license required there's no education required there's just well, we think we trust him, so yeah, you, you can, you know, stop managing. Mm -hmm. And they usually stop managing by doing what a booking agent does, and they get gigs for the band, which is not what a manager does. Uh, and it's 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 very much backwards, many times. Uh, but there's still, I mean, I'm sure you agree with me. We say it all the time. People say, "Well, I'd like to go out and manage." Well. Go out, go down the shore this weekend, mm -hmm. go into those clubs, find a band you is passionate about, wait in the dressing room, and have some day have management. And start doing it. Right. Because that's what it is, really. And there are ways to, to then do it. I mean, yeah. I, I learned, we went to, when we went to Nashville and we interviewed some managers. Um, are we still okay with time? Okay. We interviewed some managers, and I actually listened back to these podcasts, mm -hmm. and um, yes, I'm pumping up our Music Biz 101 and more podcast, but also I've learned a ton of stuff from talking to Harlan and talking to other people. That, that the information is out there for people to know more mm -hmm. than they know. And they don't, I'm sure, come to William Patterson University and study in one of the best music business programs in the country. But if you don't have the means or you're 47 years old and you're just getting into this, there are ways to learn and there are mm -hmm. ways to figure out how to do it. You don't have to be ignorant. Like yeah, there's you said. no excuse anymore. No, there really isn't. There really no. isn't. So and think of, and I think as a manager, you should always think that you are really dealing with people's not lives, a, not a product, not a one-time thing. That this is people's lives and their livelihood, and the passion that people have for that, their original music, and um, you. It's really a privilege if you make it happen. Right. There's that term, fiduciary duty. Yeah which uh, I actually learned when I was going here. Mm -hmm. And it was putting the artist in front of yourself. Yes. And it's actually a legal obligation to do so. Yes. That managers need to do. 
on on the fiduciary level. Yes, and I don't think they understand that mm-hmm. how how important that is. They would if they read Managing Your Band Sixth Edition. <laughs> it's there. There it is. Every page. Page one oh. Uh, it should be 101 and more, page yeah. 101 and more. <laughs> Speaking of that, Taylor Turner, what did you get out of this out of uh, this time? And while you think, this Ashley, show. I'm going to ask you next. So what did you get out of our time with Harlan Fry? That hard work and dedication go a really, really long way. And if you look like you don't care, then everyone can tell. So it's better off to do your best than to try to act cool. And you show people that you care and others will try to help mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's great. Mm-hmm. Taylor's smart. Ashley? Um, I liked how he was talking about the Taylor Swift and Ed Sheeran meet and greets mm-hmm. um, and how they're actually like really friendly because they are Stadium acts and sometimes you kind of just get brushed off by Stadium acts and I was kind of interested that they t- they put so much into their fans and that's why their fans love them so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's true. And people... The, people embrace the we were speaking to one of my classes today and comparing the taylor swift model of fan engagement to the beyonce model Mm -hmm. beyonce's is uh somebody used the term arrogant and then i agreed with it (laughs) and then people got mad at me but beyonce's is um i i'm untouchable i'm beyonce you know i'm i'm way up here they're royal yeah yeah exactly and taylor swift's is her style is exactly what harlan said it's i'm gonna Hang out, and I'm going to look you in the eye. I'm going to tell you, make every single person who comes near me feel like they're the most important person in my life at that time. Right, out of Nashville. Yeah, and I, I, yeah, that's a mm-hmm. that's Nashville versus uh, I don't know. I'm not. Where's Beyonce from? Houston, Texas. You, that's right. Nashville versus Texas, and everything's bigger in Texas, including mm-hmm. Beyonce's ego. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and Taylor's actually from Jersey. She's a Jersey girl. She's Taylor Swift is from New Jersey, and then she moved to to uh, Nashville. Do you think that's true? He's going to check it now. Here he goes to... He uh, has his uh, Google open. Where did Taylor, not Turner, Swift get born? No, but it's very true. Uh, She has that that sort of her persona, and she follows through with that persona when, when she's, you know, in person. We can talk a little bit about Taylor Swift's verified fan, but we won't get into that now. That would be a whole. Well, well that that was we talked about that in class today too. How uh, different, right. how she actually made people jump through hoops too much. She was actually born and raised in Pennsylvania. Oh, so we're both wrong. Mm-hmm. I will admit my wrongness. Okay. But then at fourteen, she moved to Nashville, Tennessee. Alone. All by herself. No. She her walked. Didn't bring her. No, she. Her parents right. took her. They would bring her back, but take her there. That's right. So uh, that's uh, just a little bit more for you. And now she's, uh, people have heard of her. So, so next week we have... Next week we have uh, your friend, George Gilbert Esquire. Yes. Talk about legal matters in the music and entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. I spoke with him today. And he's raring to go. Raring to go. Yes. Okay. And then uh, he can smoke in the studio with us, right? If he'd like. If he wants to. There we go. That's legal on school campuses. Carrie Keller and Miles Franco, grads of our MBA program Mm -hmm. and who work for Columbia Records and Ultra Music, respectively, there after that. Then uh, we're looking for somebody on Halloween and November 7th, but then November 14th, we have Harvey Leeds. There's a Thanksgiving Day break. And then there is Jake Posner on the 28th Hmm. of November. Right. I should have rolled my R. 
Jake Posner, manager of Arizona in caps. So there we go. We should end it. Okay. Is that all right, Ashley? Yeah. All right. Do you want to put the connect the dots back on? I Is our here we go. So for Taylor Turner, thank you very much, Taylor Turner. <laughs> Just waiting for a your welcome. Oh, <laughs> Taylor. Oh, you had me at your. And you are listening to a radio station that has been awarded with the... <clears throat> Esteban Marconi. The Marconi Award. Award that's yes. right. Spelled it wrong. Which is the uh, one of the highest honors in broadcasting. Is it? Is there an, an honor higher than that? I, I ask Ashley, who's um, in radio. I don't know, but All I right. know it's a pretty big deal. Like Elvis Duran has one, so. Okay. Uh -huh. As do we. So, yes. So... We are proud to be on Brave New Radio, Marconi Award-winning best non-commercial radio station in the country. We didn't just beat out college stations. We beat out non-college stations, too. So that's, mm -hmm. that's a pretty big deal. Yes. And we've also, we're also the number one station in the country, number one college radio station in the country, from uh, BBC, CBS, what? Uh, IBS. IBS, the, inter I know, the intercollegiate broadcasting system. system. Oh, it yeah. wasn't right. irritable. Irritable. <laughs> <laughs> no. And, uh, and everybody who comes in has irritable bowel syndrome. We want to thank Ashley Weltner for being our engineer and engineering this. And putting up with this. <laughs> yes. And I want to thank my co-host, of course, who, without whom, where would we be? We would be in a better place. Probably. Yes. But we need to thank Dr. Esteban Marconi, well, the Marconi much. Award. He's near you. You've been awarded a Marconi. Yes. Thank you very much for being here. And we want to thank all the listeners. Thank you for your tweets. Again, go to musicbiz101wp.com. Sign up for that newsletter. Follow us on the Instagram at musicbiz101wp. And for Marconi, Turner, Veltner, I'm your professor, David Kirk Philp. At the end of every show, we don't say hi. That'd be silly. Instead, we say adios. So electric, don't cut me off, no barber, no, I don't play games, told you when we break, keep promise, only give love on my side, could give it to you, break through the day and night, only hit you on my line, only speak truth when it comes to you, and you know why, cause you make time for me, beautiful, you're my beauty queen, you never believe, you're my Beyonce, you're my everything, come over here and connect.
outside Talks are best when necessary After dark before the light Clear the air that's between us for breezes And oh my Jesus Your choice of friends are perplexing No type of vibe or connection Elodin fix, Elodin want you for attention In the check I bet the kid go broke tomorrow Are you lose all their respect I guess I fell upon my sword Damn I'm trouble when I'm bored Only time I ride your wave is when you don't be overboard Go say I see no difference between you and who comes someday. Cause you've been stressed out, heartbreaks taking all of you. Now just let 